Tom Copeland is a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ who has been called to teach God's Word on finances since 1982. Tom is a chartered professional accountant who has advised thousands of people, including individuals, couples, and business owners in making wise biblical financial decisions. Tom's Financial Moments are aired on numerous radio and TV stations across Canada. Tom is the president and founder of Copeland Financial Ministries, who teach what the Bible says on finances. For more info, check out copelandfinancialministries.org. Now, here is Tom teaching and explaining that how you manage money will impact your relationship with your spouse. I'd like to welcome you to the series, Management of Money Impacts Relationship with Spouse. This is session two of this uh, two-session series. If you haven't seen session one, then be sure to go to our website, copelandfinancialministries.org, and you can watch session one. Here's the first question I have. Do you think the management of money can impact your relationship with your spouse, or is your relationship with your spouse totally independent from the management of money? What do you think about it? Do you think the management of money impacts a relationship with your spouse? And the answer is absolutely yes. Um, it impacts it all the time. Uh, in Genesis 2.24, it says that husband and wife are one flesh, so generally, whatever impacts one spouse will impact the other. I can say this from decades of experience. I've been given biblical counsel since 1982. Almost every week, someone calls me, actually two, three times a week sometimes, Someone calls me, it could be the wife or the husband, indicating that they and their spouse are having some financial difficulties. Generally, one or, more spouse, one or more spouses have been violating God's financial principles, spending more than they should, and accumulating debt, resulting in arguments between husband and wife, which has destroyed their marriage relationship. What's interesting is this. Without me asking anything about their relationship, frequently they will share their marriage relationship is in serious trouble. About one-third of the people we counsel in the ministry are separated and divorced. And in almost every case, they indicate that finances was the most common area that they and their ex-spouse argued about. Of interest, most of the time, there was enough income, but unfortunately, either one or both were managing money the world's way rather than God's way. My advice to couples, do not ignore the financial problems because long-term, they can easily destroy your marriage relationship. Proverbs 22.3 says, A prudent man or woman sees danger and takes refuge, but the simple keep going and suffer it. So don't ignore those financial problems. Deal with them. And the, the key, how do you deal with them? You need to learn and apply God's financial principles. I'd say most surveys indicate that when a couple has separated or divorced, that about 70 to 80% of the time, finances was the most common thing that they argued about. Do you think there's a solution? I think the answer is absolutely yes. I can tell you with Conviction, yes, because we've seen so many marriages, marriage relationships healed just through giving biblically-based financial advice over the years. We know that all things are possible with God, and the answer is really simple. If both husband and wife learn God's way of managing money and get their finances in order, their cash flow in order, start to relieve the debt, stress, when that, as that stress comes off, often the marriage relationship can heal. That involves both of them getting into God's Word, both of them applying God's Word, developing and implementing a budget. And often what they're going to have to do is meditate on God's Word. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And how do you renew your mind? Joshua 1, 8 gives the answer. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so you may be careful to do everything written in it. And so the key is get into God's Word, meditate on it, and allow God through His Word and His Spirit to change the way you think about money and that will change the way you manage money. 
Most Christians are not managing money God's way because they have such limited knowledge of what the Bible says on finances. They may know about tithing or giving. That's 3% of the 2,350 references in the Bible to money and material things. The other 97% deal with other financial topics which are so critical. I can say this from experience. Um, both men and women have their unique areas of financial temptations. That is where they tend to spend money. What do you think they are for the women? Now, by the way, both men and women, there's just as many bad money managers that are female as compared to male. There's no difference in terms of the number of bad money managers. Just often what they buy is different. For example, for women, often they go to the shopping mall, they buy clothes, they buy ornaments and knickknacks for the house, and, and they run up the credit cards. As for the men, often they, there's lots of tool guys out there. They'll go to the hardware store, buy tools they don't really need, or they'll, they'll um, spend money on, on golfing and other sports. Or um, I, I've seen so many men where they criticize their wife, well, she goes to the shopping mall every week and spends so much money, I never go there. Well, meanwhile, he goes and buys a new vehicle every three years that results in a big loan payment. So people generally have different areas of financial temptations, different areas that they struggle with. Most important question is this, what are my areas of financial temptations? What do you struggle with? And how, how, can you, how can you deal with that? How can you cure that? 1 Corinthians 10.13 has the answer. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, God will provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. It is so important to understand that if you accumulate debt, it can easily destroy your emotional, physical, and spiritual relationship with your spouse. Most spouses are not aware of this. Most have no idea it's going to destroy their relationship if they continue to accumulate debt. Even if you buy things you need, but you don't develop a budget beforehand to ensure you can afford the loan payments, and if you don't reach an agreement with your spouse, then your decision to move ahead without communicating with your spouse first can create major marital relationship problems. Communication and agreement before you make the financial commitment is really important. Question, what if your spouse has made some major financial mistakes? What should you do? Here's some suggestions. i got seven of them. First, pray and ask God for his wisdom and, uh, and his direction. Uh, James 1.5 says, if any of us lack wisdom, that we should ask God and he'll give it to us abundantly. Um, approach your spouse with gentleness and respect and communicate your concerns. Don't uh, come at them and, and do it in an unchristian way. Rather, approach them in a very Christian and godly way. Number two, follow Paul's instructions in Ephesians 4.26, which says, Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not give the devil a foothold. Do not let Satan get a foothold in your life through anger and bitterness towards your spouse because they've mismanaged money. Don't allow that. That can destroy your marriage completely. Number three, encourage your spouse to learn God's way of managing money. Um, you could get them into one of our, our studies, Financial Management God's Way, or give them one of our CDs or DVDs. Lots of ways for them to learn God's way of managing money. And for both husband and wife, remember that God has promised to meet our needs, Matthew 6, 31 to 33, as we put him first, but not necessarily our wants and desires. And that's one thing people have to do is distinguish in between needs versus wants and desires. And often people are getting into a lot of debt when they buy things that are more wants and desires. In addition, God wants us to learn to be content with his provision. In Philippians chapter 4, Paul said, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to be, have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Paul was saying his secret to learning contentment was focusing on his relationship with Jesus Christ, 
focusing on things of eternal value and then the temporal things become a whole lot less and you'll tend to spend a lot less. Number six, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul said, But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world and we shall take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. And for any complex situation, if your spouse has squandered a lot of money and created a lot of financial um, debt, uh, I would encourage you to go to my advanced study, Discerning God's Will and Managing Money. There's eight one-and-a-half-hour videos there. It's on our website, copelandfinancialministries.org. And there's some good guidance there on what you should do in complex situations where it's not entirely clear. And also, take particular note of the complex case study I'm going to give at the end of this session called Saver is Married to Spender. Okay, when I provide biblical counsel to a couple who are in debt, I encourage them to review their credit card statements, bank statements, over the last couple of years and identify those purchases that were not necessary. Reason often a significant amount of the accumulated debt was incurred on unnecessary expenses, which is causing tremendous financial stress. And really look at it independently. Really, is something really a need versus want and desire? Not only look at this in terms of your spouse, but also look in terms of where you've been spending money as well. Easy credit today creates a phenomenal temptation to spend more than you earn and to get into debt. And regardless of how much debt your, your spouse owe, if you both, I've seen this over and over again, thousands of cases, doesn't matter how much you owe, you could owe 100000 on credit cards, big lines of credit, a huge mortgage, two car loans, etc. Uh, regardless, if you both learn and implement God's financial principles and managing money, I find God's hand will start to move. He will provide some blessings, some little miracles. Perhaps um, a better job with more income. Perhaps a great deal on a purchase. His hand can start to move. He can provide many blessings and probably teach you, as a big one is, to be content with less. And the financial problems can be relieved. And once the financial stress is lifted from, from couples, the marriage relationship can just naturally heal and couples can fall in love again. And I, I don't have time to give all the examples. I've given examples in the advanced study, but I can just tell you this. I've seen so many marriage relationships healed because they've learned and applied the biblical financial principles in managing money. Outside of the relationships, are there any negative implications when an individual or couple spends more than they earn and accumulates debt? Um, for example, let's assume they develop a bad credit rating. What implications could that have? Think about that. What could that have? Here's what I add. First, the bank could refuse to approve one's mortgage, resulting in the loss of the home or expensive, uh, expensive private financing. That, that can happen. I've certainly seen that where a couple go to get their mortgage renewed and one spouse is spent irresponsibly. They've run up um, a number of credit cards that the other spouse wasn't aware of, and then when the bank does the, the credit check, they determine he's got a, or she's got a bad credit rating, whoever it is, and they won't lend you the same money they lent you last time. Another one is being turned, turned, turned down by a landlord when you go to rent. Uh, that's another example. Most landlords do credit checks today. If you've got a bad credit rating, you may not be able to rent a place. Lost job opportunities. I think of a, a good friend of mine. He uh, had gone through a number of interviews. It was a large company, and he was looking to, uh, they wanted to hire him as president. He had been president of other companies before. He had the experience. He had the talents. He had the education. They had everything he was looking for. They went through, their, they did a number of like three interviews, they did all kinds of reference checks, and the last thing they had to do was do a credit check. And, you know, they thought the guy this, this capable, this calm, that wouldn't be an issue. Him and his wife had a terrible credit rating, they were a terrible money manager, and he lost a tremendous job opportunity. Financial areas other than debt that couples can argue about. 
Here's an example. What, what, let's say the couple has sur some surplus savings. Say they got some surplus savings. Say it's not a question of debt. What should they do with it? Should they spend it? One spouse may say spend it. No, the other one may say let's save it for future needs. For example, one spouse may be quite a spender and the other spouse could be miserly, could be a penny pincher. Uh, both would represent extremes that are outside God's will, by the way. God wants us to have a balance between these two extremes. And uh, what the Lord wants us to do with his money, I think that's the most important thing. Psalms 25, 12 said, who, who then is the man or woman who fears the Lord? God will instruct them in the way chosen for them. And number two, um, God does not want us to live beyond our means and accumulate debt as long-term that can easily destroy the marriage relationship. Throughout the Bible, I'd say this, debt was considered to be a curse, not a blessing. But on the other hand, unless your income is really low, generally Christians don't have to pinch every penny. That's what I'm saying. Uh, it's permissible for Christians to enjoy some of the money that God has blessed them with, but keep it in balance. Um, spend some time from time to time on things that aren't absolute um, needs uh, that you can spend some money on, some wants. I'd say if you're going to spend any money on things that are wants and desires, make sure you do it with cash. Don't do it with debt. House renovations is another area that spouses can easily argue about. One may want to do renovations quite often and quite expensively, while the other spouse may be quite content to leave the home as is. Number four, how much should parents help out their kids financially? That can be an area of disagreement between mom and dad. For example, post-secondary costs. Should mom and dad pay for all of it? Or should the kids have to pay for all of it? Or should there be some form of partnership in paying for the education costs? My personal view is that of a partnership. I think it's good for young people to have, have to work part-time, like full-time in the summer, part-time during the school, school year, and invest some of their hard-earned money in their education. And of course, I think it makes sense for parents to invest some funds in their child's education as well. One of the most important things parents can teach their kids is to give and to save. You want to keep it simple when they're very young, have three cans. One can says giving, so the rule of thumb, 10%, they put 10% in there. Another one says saving, let's say they put 40% in there, and the other one says spending. So they don't spend any more than 50% of what they have, they save 40 and, and they, they, they give away. So even if you can teach them to give and to save rather than just spend, spend, spend. Should parents bail out their kids, and we're t I'm talking here about adult kids, uh, if they're in financial difficulty. This, this can be a real tough one, a real tough one, because if their adult kids have mismanaged money, then parents should not bail them out, as bailing them out would enable them to continue with their bad financial habits, which would be contrary to God's financial principles. On the other hand, if kids have financial problems that were totally outside of their control, then of course it would make sense for the parent to bail them out financially, assuming the parents can afford to do so. Don't go to the point of bailing, bailing your kids out. I saw a couple, they bailed them out of every kind of problem. Mom and dad ended up winning bank, going bankrupt at about age 60. That's not the answer um, to keep bailing them out. Another one that can create um, tension and argument between husband and wives is where to invest funds save for retirement. Where do you invest them? Assuming you're starting to save for retirement, building up money in your retirement plan, your RSP, um, where should you invest? I've seen hundreds of cases. Actually, I've probably seen thousands of examples where one spouse is very conservative and only wants to invest in things that are very safe. It could be guaranteed investment certificates, short-term government, um, bonds, that kind of stuff. But that means the good news is there'll be almost no volatility. Uh, they're never, never going to likely leave, lose any significant amount of their capital. 
but they're going to have a very modest return on the investment. So that means that couple is going to have to save a whole lot more in order to reach the amount that they need for, for retirement or for even if you're doing it for kids' education. While the other spouse, on the other hand, could have a much higher tolerance for risk. Just giving a, a couple last week uh, um, some advice on this. So the, the husband, it so happened the husband had a high tolerance for risk, wanted to invest 100% in equities, was prepared to take the risk. He's willing to live through the ups and downs of the marketplace. Well, the wife was not like that at all. She didn't want to go into anything but GICs. And um, so um, now when you invest in equities, the, the expected long-term return is higher, and most of the time it is over a long period of time. But in the short term, almost anything can happen. We know in March 2020, the market dropped about 32%, but amazing, within a year, it more than recovered all of that and went higher. So to learn more about the biblical principles of investing, check out my three one-half-hour shows called Investing God's Way. It's located at copelandfinancialministries.org. Here's some general recommendation is if you and your spouse cannot, if you and your spouse disagree on some, something related to finances, if, they, if you have a disagreement with your spouse, here is some suggestions on, on what you should do. And I've given you eight suggestions here. First, pray and ask God for his wisdom and his direction. God's promised to give us his wisdom, James 1.5, and his direction, Psalms 32.8. God said, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. Secondly, review God's word on finances to avoid, any, avoid making any decisions that would violate the biblical financial principles. Lots of times, people, including Christians, are violating biblical financial principles unknowingly. They just, they just don't know what they are. Third, ask God to speak to you through his word. Psalms 119.105 states, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. So as you start praying and asking God for direction, I mean, it could be as simple as, hey, does God want us to sell our current home and buy a bigger home? The hope is as houses keep going up, the bigger home will go up more. Well, maybe it will, maybe it won't. But you need to discern what God wants you to do. I know a couple that faced that kind of decision. They were praying, praying. And it seems that all the scripture is on contentment. We're jumping out of them. Godliness with contentment is great gain, Paul said. 1 Timothy 6, Luke 3.14, John the Baptist said, Be content with your pay. Hebrews 13.5 says, Keep your lives free from the love of money. Be content with what you have. They concluded it was God's will for them not to move to the bigger house. And it's amazing, about six months later, the husband was out of work. And had they moved to the bigger house, taken on the bigger mortgage, they would have been in financial difficulty. But because they stayed with a more mod modest place, they were fine. Uh, number four, develop an, uh, a budget or a spending plan to ensure that you can afford whatever you're thinking of buying. So if you disagree on something, make sure you've got a, a financial plan to make sure you can afford it. If you, if you cannot afford it, in, according to your budget or, or financial plan, spending plan, then, then just don't buy it. Other areas, um, some other recommendations I can give if you and your spouse are disagreeing on, uh, on something related to finances. Uh, number five is obtain biblical counsel. Very important from a spiritually mature Christian who understands God's word on finances. Get some biblical counsel. Number six, both husband and wife, take it before the Lord and ask God to reveal your motives. Proverbs 16.2 says, All a man's ways are innocent to him, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Number seven, ask God to provide you and your spouse with his peace before you make any major financial decision. One thing's for certain. Before you move forward, you both should have an element of God's peace. In John 14.27, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Number eight, if you, can, if you still cannot reach an agreement, review the eight one-half-hour videos on my website. It's an advanced workshop titled Discerning God's Will and Managing Money. 
and obtain some further biblical financial counsel, which you can obtain if you uh, send an email uh, to our website. I now want to go through a very difficult and complex but very common case study. It's uh, called Spender is Married to Saver. Um, and uh, notice uh, this is, this is uh, neutral in terms of whether it's a man or a woman. The spender can be the man. The spender can be the woman. The saver can be of either sex. So here, here it is. Spender is, and saver are married. Saver manages money God's way, including saving for future needs, Proverbs 21.20. But unfortunately, spenders man manages money the world's way. When they renewed their mortgage last year, the bank performed their normal credit checks, and, and it was revealed that Spender had accumulated significant debt on five credit cards that Saver was not aware of, and that the bank, and therefore the bank turned them down because the Spender had a bad credit rating, and as a result, they could not get the normal mortgage from the big bank at the lower rate, but they had to obtain private financing at a much higher cost. Although they have sufficient income to live a middle-class lifestyle, Spender spends the money faster than Saver can save the money. As a result, over the last several years, Spender has accumulated significant debt for them as a couple, and Spender has a bad credit rating, resulting in higher interest charges. Saver has spoke to Spender many times regarding his or her excessive spending and explained the financial problems that it is causing. Threats from credit creditors are becoming common and it's creating incredible stress on their marriage relationship. Saver can see that if this continues, it's just a matter of time before the bank forecloses on their home or one or more of their automobiles are repossessed and if it still continues, they will likely be forced into bankruptcy. Notwithstanding, Spender ignores the advice and continues acquiring numerous material things that they do not need on credit cards and the personal line of credit and Spender is unwilling to learn to manage money God's way. And again, this is a really common case study I've seen. So here's a question. How would you feel if your spouse accumulated significant debts without your knowledge? How would you feel about that? How would you feel about that? I think most people would feel betrayed and cheated, and, and it would create significant strain on their marriage relationship. Accumulating debts without your spouse's knowledge can destroy the trust in your relationship, which is so critical, so critical to having a good marriage. And what's interesting is most spenders have no idea that their excessive spending could result in a matrimonial breakup. No idea whatsoever. Proverbs 12, 13 says, Lies will get any man into trouble, but honesty is its own defense. And Titus 2, 7 says, And everything set example by doing what is good in your teaching, show integrity, seriousness. So here's a second question. What should Saver do? Saver's married to Spender. He's, Spender's been spending money and spending money, accumulating debt. The debt's accumulating faster than Saver can save it. It's just a matter of time. They're going to lose their home. They're going to lose their car. They're going to be forced into bankruptcy. So suggest some steps to follow, proceeding from one step to the next. If Spender continues to refuse to cut back on his or her unnecessary spending and accumulating debt, and provide a reference to Scripture for each point. That's a really important part of this. Number one, I say review session Three, uh, that's in my advanced series, Biblical Guidelines to Discerning God's Will. Prayerfully asking God to enable Spender to discern what God wants the Saver to do, including the timing thereof. I mean, Saver's got to spend a lot of time with the Lord in prayer, asking for His wisdom, His direction, and the timing. Secondly, pray and ask God to change the Spender's heart. Sometimes this, I've seen cases where this is all was needed. Proverbs 21 says, 
The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. He directs it like a watercourse wherever he pleases. And number three, given the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, Hebrews 4.12, savor an appropriate friend, should gracefully present God's word in the area of finances to spender as the Lord directs. Number four, when God opens the door, savor should explain to spender that their excessive spending has caused significant financial problems and negatively impact their relationship. Demonstrate this by way of increased debt, debt levels or negative historically monthly cash flow. Number five, someone should provide to spender a CD or DVD that teaches God's word on finances. And if you want one of those for free, go to our website, copelandfinancialministry.org, and you can order one for free. Spender and saver probably together, do it together, should attend a small group biblical financial study, uh, Zoom small groups. We have them regularly. Go to our website and, and you can join one of those. There's no cost to join the small group. If you want a cost of the book, there's a cost, but it's not very much. Um, but the most important thing is to join in on one of those groups. Number seven, obtain biblical counsel from a godly financial advisor for spender and saver. Uh, we can provide the financial coaches. Number eight, discern from God the spiritual battle and fight the spiritual battle, which is generally through prayer and the revelation of God's truth. Jesus said to his disciples, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. It's highly probable that Spender has believed many financial deceptions that he or she needs to unlearn. Number nine, have some trusted friends and members of your church confidentially pray for Spender. Number 10, saver should continue to manage money God's way, setting the example for Spender and also for your children as well. Number 11, get a friend or relative who has an understanding of God's word on finances, who Spender respects and have him or her have him or her speak and advise the spender. Proverbs 27, 6 says, wounds of a friend can be trusted. Number 12, if the spending continues, limit the accumulation by limiting or canceling your joint line of credit and your credit cards. In other words, start to exercise some tough love. If they don't respond, you may have to cut off their source of spending. If necessary and if possible, exercise more tough love by taking over control of the finances for the family and set up a separate bank account um, in Saver's name to ensure, and Saver's paycheck should go in there to ensure the necessities, the mortgage payment, utilities, etc., are paid for. Normally, I'm advising couples to have joint bank accounts, do a budget together, do a financial plan together, and work on their finances together. But when you have someone that's irresponsible with money, sometimes you've got to take some, you've got to take some tough love. And if your marriage is under satanic attack, obtain some godly counsel and pray. Pray a lot. Get some good books like Mar Bubeck, The Adversary. Uh, and pray uh, and, and ask God to defeat the works of the devil that's trying to destroy your marriage. Number 15, wait patiently. But if spender continues to accumulate the debt, especially in the needs of the family at risk, consider following Matthew chapter 18, which basically says, if, if the, your brother sins against her, go and show him his fault just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you have won your brother over. But if he will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses, refuses to listen even to the church, treat him as you would a tax collector or pagan. Recommendation, the one or two others should be godly people who understand God's word on finances and the seriousness of debt accumulation. Uh, Saver, I think, should warn Spender before approaching the church leaders. And if Spender still refuses to change, it may be necessary to get the elders of your church to first pray and then counsel and admonish Spender. The objective is not to offend Spender, but to get Spender to stop squandering money. And even if your spouse is not a Christian, you can still make sense, it can still make sense to follow Matthew 18 conceptually by getting someone from your church who, who uh, Spender re respects and who is a good money manager to speak or counsel 
your spouse about their excessive spending and the serious long-term ramifications that it could have. Proverbs 22.3 says, A prudent man sees danger and takes refuge, but the simple keep going and suffer for it. I'd like to just conclude that any marriage can be strengthened by learning and applying God's financial principles and managing money. Of course, to learn more, go to our website, copelandfinancialministries.org. There's lots of resources there. Most of them are free.